We are in a series um, called How to Pray. The last couple of weeks we've been in this series, uh, we've talked over several different things, including how to have or how to follow God's model prayer that Jesus lays out for us. But our focus verse has been this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. And what I want to do is I want to pray, or I want to state this verse, and then I want us to pray for the remainder of this message that God would speak to each one of our hearts. We pray over the service before you get here. Hopefully you prayed on your way here and said, God, speak to me, help me today. And we want to do that today. But 1 Thessalonians 5.17 has been our focus scripture, and that is this, pray without ceasing. Or another version says, pray without stopping. And so we want to keep talking about how to pray, because if I'm honest, I feel like sometimes I'm not good at it. You ever felt like that? That you're not good at it. And it's not necessarily something that you have to get good at or perfect, but we want to talk about how to do it right and how to do it in such a way where we can be heard by God and where we can hear God, where we can tune in to the frequency that he's on. So would you just close your eyes really quickly and let's pray over this time that we have to share. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your Son and for the Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're here today and your presence has been felt. Lord, I thank you that your word, your word brings life. And Lord, you want us to live life and it more abundantly according to your word. So God, I pray for every person who hears this message today that you would speak to each one of us through your word. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said... Amen. So if you miss any of our messages in a series like this, we try to take a practical approach where it's like step one, step two, step three, and you can always listen online or check us out in the iTunes store and listen to the podcast. Uh, we love to get information and feedback from others who say, hey, I miss church, but I got to listen to the message this week, even though I was out on vacation or I was working that day. In preparing for this message, I began to think about a book that I read, not back in 1995, but it was written back in 1995. You might be familiar with the book. The title of it by Dr. Gary Chapman is The Five Love Languages. Over 11 million copies have been sold. The premise is that if you can discover your primary love language and that of your spouses, you'll be able to have a more harmonious relationship. So in our life, in our relationship, my wife and I, we do not speak the same language. Word. Word. Sometimes it sounds like she's speaking Chinese, and sometimes it sounds like I'm speaking German, and we haven't taken courses on learning those languages or developed them enough. And so we, we dove into this book, into this material, The Five Love Languages. In fact, in the, in the next calendar year, we're going to do a series on marriages and have a marriage conference that I'm super excited about uh, because we want you to have a healthy marriage, okay? God wants you to have a healthy marriage, my wife says amen. Every other wife in this place and spouse should say amen. Amen. So the premise is if you can discover your primary love language and that of your spouses, you'll go to a place, a new depth of intimacy in your life. 
So you may have heard of these, and we'll have them on the screen. I want to just give you a couple uh, insights this morning into which ones uh, or how they're listed. So here, here is what Dr. Gary Chapman puts in his book. He says the first one, or they're not in necessary order, but the first one that's on the screen is gift giving. How many of you like to receive gifts? <laughs> I like to get gifts, but I love, love to give gifts. The next one is quality time. How many of you think quality time is way up on your list, right? Okay, quality time. Quality time. The third one is this, acts of service. How many of you love it when somebody does something nice for you? <laughs> yes. All right, me too. Actually, can I tell you a quick story about an act of service? We had a, our, our second child, Brighton, she had a birthday recently, and she turned six. Okay, they're moving too fast. I lose the numbers already. But she turned six. She got to skip the day at school. My wife skipped the day at school as well and took her out for a fun day and went to Panda Express, which happens to be Brighton's favorite place to eat. Okay. I know it's a six-year-old thing, but I, I like it too. So anyway, so I met up with them and we're sitting there and Amy says something uh, and she's like, oh, let's get a picture. And I think to myself, in Panda Express. And she's like, ah, it's Brighton's birthday. Come on. So she asks a stranger to take the picture. So this, this guy is there and he holds up the phone, takes a picture. So, you know, it didn't happen unless you can post it on Facebook, right? So we take the picture and we're talking obviously about her birthday while we're sitting there at the table. We're not being loud, but there are some other people there and someone had ordered their lunch and uh, a young lady had just walked out of the restaurant. I don't know if she took it to go or if she'd finished her meal and walked out. I wasn't really paying attention to her. I was catching up with my wife and with my daughter for the day. So as we're sitting there, though, we're finishing up our meal, and within just a few moments, someone comes in, and this young lady has a brown bag. If you know where Panda Express is, it's next to another great place called Nothing Bunt Cakes, okay? That place is glory, okay? <laughs> All right? It's got some good stuff, good treats. And she comes walking in with a brown bag. I've never met her in my life. We've not, we didn't talk to her or have any exchange with her in the restaurant. And she comes up and she says, is it, is it your daughter's birthday? And we said, yeah, she's turning six. And Brighton looks up with her big eyes and her like chow mein noodles hanging out, you know? And and so the lady says, I got her something from next door. Happy birthday. Aww. Right. Come on, all of us. Aww. Complete stranger, young lady who could have spent her $5 on getting her, herself one, but I didn't see two bags in her hand. She just walked in with this little treat, and it was a confetti cake just for Brighton. And I thought... My, isn't that awesome? Like it just, in that moment, I was like, I have hope in humanity sometimes in moments like this. And then I had this really bad thought, which was like, why aren't there two inside there? Because like, you know, like I want to eat a piece. But it was an act of service. Some people thrive off of that. One of the sweetest phrases I can hear my children or my wife say is, can I get you something? Do you need anything? Can I do something for you? Oh, it just stirs my heart. The next one is physical touch, okay? 
physical touch, and then the fifth and last one is words of affirmation. How many of you would say words of affirmation is where it's at? Like you, need, you, like you love when somebody says, hey, good job, boy. you did a great job, keep going, you know, that kind of thing. It's great to hear words of affirmation. So these five love languages were things that I, were th- I was thinking about as I was going through the preparation of the message, and I began to think, oh, wait, I forgot. Ladies, there's a sixth love language. It's not on this, it's not on this. And I, I gotta tell you, ladies, for your man, it's food. Okay? <laughs> I know some of you ladies are going in a different direction, but I'm telling you, it's food, okay? That is a good love language, all right? But the thought occurred to me that in, in the midst of all of this, The God that we serve, the one true God that we serve, exemplifies all of these love languages and even more. Listen to what 1 John 4, verse 7 and 8 says. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God, and that person knows God. Verse eight continues and says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. He's not anger. He's not hate. He's not greedy. He's not fill in the blank. God characteristically is love. If someone were to define you as a person and try to pick just one word, they might choose happy or friendly or this or that. They might choose loving. When it came to this letter in scripture, when John is writing this, he's writing it down and he says, God is one thing. Above all else, he's love. God is love. So he's a giver. Going back to those five love languages, he is definitely a giver of gifts, and he's generous. Generosity is his strong suit. He's unmatched, I love it, in his generosity. He likes to receive words of affirmation. Hello, somebody. He knows he's the best, and he's the best that there will ever be, but he loves to hear us worship him and to set our mind on him and to declare his goodness. Our faith is demonstrated when we act in service to him. If you're not engaged in the life of the church through some way, through some function, whether it's leading a small group or helping in celebrate kids or handing out the event cards and clicking on the the media stuff or helping set the, the lighting, if you're not helping clean, there are many opportunities for you to get involved. God loves when his people are actively serving. It's because we're living out the love that we've experienced and that we have. I think about the physical touch idea that while Jesus was here on earth, he touched so many. And in fact, I can't find a single one that he touched that walked away without change, that was transformed. They were healed and he loves quality time. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's his favorite. It might be, it just might be his primary love language. So today, my, the title of my message is this, God's love language is quality time. So let me just frame it correctly for you. We're in a series on how to pray, 
And we're talking today about prayer being time spent in the presence of God and it being quality time. So we could say that one of God's primary love languages is time. Remember, we define prayer as this. Listen to me. I speak, God listens. God speaks and I listen. That's really, really important. We've got to understand that we serve a listening God, and if he's listening, he's also speaking. He speaks to us, and he wants to speak to you. So the question, the challenge that I have for each one of us as believers here today is, when's the last time we heard from him? I got a chance to go on a men's retreat this weekend. It was awesome. Guys, don't miss it next time. It was incredible. There was fun stuff, activities. There was fishing tournaments and a motorcycle ride and golf and all kinds of other stuff. But one of my favorite parts of this whole thing was just launching out in a boat all by myself and just laying back in the boat for almost two hours on the water listening to music. I read my Bible a little bit. I just was out there. Enjoy I was retreating. It was amazing. Siri's trying to talk to me. Stop. Sorry. That was really weird. Um, it was amazing though for me to just retreat and to experience what God had for me during that time. I got to spend some quality time. I spoke to him, but I also took time to stop and listen. The word of God through the prophet in the Old Testament says, basically, I'll paraphrase it. He says, I was searching. I wanted to hear what God had to say. He wasn't in the, the strong, loud voice. He wasn't in all of the other stuff. I found him and I heard his voice and it was a still, small voice that spoke. Sometimes I think we get ourselves too busy and we can't hear. Or maybe we're too busy talking and never stopping to listen. Maybe it's been so long that we haven't heard his voice. We think he's not speaking, but he really is. I'm telling you, church, we serve the only living God, and he loves to listen to his kids. It's been said that quality matters more than quantity. You ever heard that phrase before? Okay. So people say it in the realm of sales. We talk about it in retail. We talk about it in the service industry. We talk about it. We've even said it in the church. You know what I'm talking about. So this idea is really, it's, it's, it's this thought that it's not how much, but it's truly whatever I do have that it's good quality, okay? High quality. But allow me to challenge your thoughts. Take just a moment and think about this. Let me challenge your thought about the comparison between these two things. Think about it like this. Suppose you planned a date night to go to a really nice restaurant, a steak restaurant maybe, and you're, you're excited, you've got the babysitter lined up, you've got the free time, you've got everything in line, and you're going to one of the finest restaurants. You've already looked at the menu, you've probably looked at reviews online, you've done all your homework and that kind of thing. You get there, you see the menu, and you say, I gotta have the steak. You know, you get what you pay for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay down some major money on this steak because it's going to be awesome. It'll be worth the price. But when the meal arrives, you get this tiny little one-inch square morsel of steak. So you, you know, <laughs> turn the plate around, you look at it, you size it up, and you think, 
Uh, this might not be worth the money I'm paying, right? So then you have this thought, and maybe you'd be like me, or maybe you're not. Maybe there are some of you. Have you are there people in here who have never complained and never sent back a meal? Like, you, you would never do that, right? There are a couple of people like that. Like, I'll never, I'll just eat it, whatever it is. I'm the guy who would send it back, okay? So I would kindly complain to the waiter and just say, hey, listen, I'm paying $90 for this imported steak from this French cow that lives somewhere. Like, come on, like, give me what I'm looking for. But what if the waiter responded and said, you know, I recognize the small portion, but I'm telling you, it's not the quantity that matters, it's the quality that matters. What would you think? in that moment, thinking, thinking just realistically, <laughs> resisting the urge to punch the waiter, you would think like, mm, but it's really about both, isn't it? Like, I really, like, I thought I was going to pay $80, $90 for this amazing meal, and it would be a sizable meal. Um, Mike Vandersteen, who's serving today in kids ministry, I love him uh, with all my heart. He's so funny. He talks about quantity. He's like, if I can go somewhere to eat a good meal and pay like $10 or less, like I would go there every day because he's, he's all about the quantity size of it. But when we think about quantity and quality, you think to yourself, you know, they actually both matter. So as they both matter, if we're thinking about it in lines of being a love language, it's not just that we need to have quality time with God, but chances are you're listening to this message today and you're lacking some quantity of time when it comes to spending it with God. Quality matters and so does quantity. But here's the thing, it takes a plan It takes a plan, just like it does date night. It takes a plan, a time for us to be together with our creator in order to have that significant time together. So this applies when it comes to our spouses and our kids and our friends. It also applies in our relationship with God. Think about this. Adam and Eve in the garden spent time with God on a daily basis. They're the first family. The Bible says this, that they disobeyed God. You may be familiar with the story, but I'm telling you, I read something unique in that story. I I don't have time to preach that message today, but something unique that jumped out at me the other day that I'd never considered before. You ought to read it again and see if that same thing happens to you. Genesis chapter three, verse eight will be on the screen. It says this about Adam and Eve. After they disobeyed, it says, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. I want you to stop long enough to consider God in a physical form was walking, that's what we call anthropomorphic imagery. It gives the idea that he has human traits or an actual physical presence. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. What is he doing there? Is he checking on the produce, checking to see that there's no flies, no pestilence, no... Listen, it says, and the man and his wife ran, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. 
Think about that, the little flannel graph in Sunday school. If you're like me and you, you know, showed up and there was Sister Betty or whoever she was, was putting the little like, figures up on the flannel board and that kind of thing. I always saw them behind a bush, but this jumped out to me too. They had eaten fruit from a tree and now they're dodging God's presence by trying to hide behind a tree. Think about what we do in our spiritual life when we sin, when we disobey God, and when we try to hide from his presence. Do you see this though? God is relational. He's walking in the garden, the Bible says, in the cool of the day. That garden is not in Mississippi. (laughs) I'm sorry. I thought that was really funny. I mean, thank God for the good weather lately, but there's not a cool of the day around here until like 2 a.m., and I'm not awake for that most of the time, Um, and it's pretty short-lived, and then the humidity sets back in. But God is walking there because he wants to have relationship with them. He regularly came to speak with them. I want you to think about this as you think about the character of who God is. I want you to consider this. God did not just show up this day to yell at them. How you think about God and his character forms your relationship with him. So if you think he's the guy with the hammer and he's like, ooh, I saw you do bad, I'm coming to get you. He's regularly experiencing relationship with them. He didn't just show up that day to yell at them. He showed up because they had a regular appointment. So God wanted to spend regular, or we could say quantity, time with them, as well as quality time with them. He's relational and he wants to spend time with you and with I. His heart hurts when we are not in relationship with him. I'm convinced the testimony of scripture demonstrates that and proves that out. That God is heartbroken, you could say, Because I can look at just a simple verse like John 3.16 and recognize that his presence, he wants to be in the heart and in the life of every human individual. He sent his son so that that was possible. And so I've got to imagine that he's sad when he he doesn't get either, either of those, the quantity or the quality time that he wants. One of the ways that we can do this and spend quality time with God is through daily prayer and spiritually focusing ourselves on him. This takes time. It takes time to develop a habit like this. Some people call it devotions. Have you ever heard that phrase? I'm doing my devotions, okay? Or they might call it devotional time. Some people call it quiet time. Um, I call it loud time. (laughs) It's not quiet time for me. Uh, If it was quiet, I would sleep, Uh, but it's not quiet time. It's loud time. I worship the Lord. I I sing. I'm just, that's me characteristically. You know that by now probably, but that's, that's the time I spend with him. It's verbal time. Jesus regularly withdrew to spend time with his father, I want you to understand this concept. In Luke chapter five, we're gonna read two verses there, but listen to me, church. If Jesus himself found it necessary to spend time with the Father, 
Who are we to neglect or deprioritize or never prioritize time with our heavenly father. So Luke chapter five, verse 15 and 16 says this, but now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses, we could say. The next verse says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. I, find, I, I feel like Jesus might've been a tiny bit introverted When it got to the big crowd deal, he was there and he knew he was serving a purpose, but almost every time I read about a big crowd gathering, I also read very quickly, he found a a way, he he got in a boat and he left to the other side of the lake. He went up to the mountain, he got up early, he did this, he did that, because he was trying to make sure that, listen to me, church, I'm telling you, if you don't hear anything today but this one thing, he was trying to make sure that he was filled up before he gave out out. And here's what I'm going to say. You will give out if you're not filled up. Did you understand that concept? We can't give what we're not receiving. We've got to prioritize this. And if Jesus, God's own son in the flesh, did this, then we ought to think about the priority it has in our life and maybe check ourselves. I like this word, and I, I did a little word study on desolate. I thought to myself, well, that's a little bit scary. Like, okay, you just wandered out into a desert where there is nothing, no life, nothing. And I thought to myself, yeah, let me look into that. What it really means, the Greek word translated there is lonely, deserted, or solitary. Here, can I put it in regular everyday today language? He went to a place without distractions. How many of you have kids, <laughs> grandkids, jobs, okay? Yes, we all have all of this stuff. We have college. We have all of these things that require our time, and they can be distractions. But Jesus regularly withdrew to pray. Think about it. All throughout the New Testament, the Garden of Gethsemane, he goes to the Mount of Olives. He goes early in the morning. He even sets his disciples somewhere and says, sit here while I pray, why is that? Why would that be? It's not that, hey, like, this is, you can't hear because I'm, God, please help me with Peter. He's such a jerk. I don't know. No, it's not that. It's that he had to find a place without distraction. And one of those moments is the moment where we shared a few weeks ago and we said, when they looked over and saw him doing what he did during his quiet time, or his solitary time, they thought to themselves, what I do sure doesn't look like that. Jesus, would you teach me how to pray? Would you show me what it means to have that sort of interaction with the Father? So here's the question, and I get it. We have kids, we have jobs, we have a spouse, we've got other commitments, but here's the deal. Our lives are packed with many things, and can I just be straightforward and honest with you? I'm going to tell you they're packed with too many things. Your life would be healthier. I can say it. I'll give you a money back guarantee. Your life would be healthier if you would say no a little bit more frequently. Say no to that thing that comes up. Say no to that thing that's going to divide your family's time. Say no to that thing that's going to make another commitment on top of another commitment on top of another commitment. Find the balance that you need 
We talk about a work-life balance. I need a comprehensive life balance, and so do you. And God's got to be part of that. Amen? So, we want to help you grow spiritually around here, and we always want to be practical. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to share with you 10 tips quickly about how to have a quality quiet time with the Lord that involves prayer. So number one is this, withdraw daily, just like Jesus did. Now listen, I know it takes work. I know those lovely blessings that God gave you that are shorter than you. Climb in your bed and crawl in your head and they, mommy, mommy, daddy, daddy, I need, I need. And even if they're teenagers, they still need. And even if they're grandkids, they still need all the time. But you got to find a place to withdraw daily. You got to find a time to withdraw regularly. Okay. I love when Madeline was really uh, little and she started, you know, toddling around and doing all this stuff, but she was a little independent. You could give her something to do for a few minutes. And then Amy would find just the five minutes of peace and quiet. And she'd be like, I say, honey, how was your day? And she said, it was wonderful. Madeline stayed busy for like 10 minutes it was so beautiful. It was awesome because she, finally, she got that moment where she could just think, <laughs> where she could have a moment. Do that and do it, incorporate it with God. The next thing is this, find a solitary place. Put, it, uh, put a sign on your door, <laughs> lock it. Don't let your kids come in there and invade your bedroom and your life starting at 6 a.m. Tell them to go back to bed, okay? <laughs> Find a solitary place. Here's the other thing some of you might need to hear if you don't have kids or maybe they're older and that kind of thing. Here's the deal. Don't sleep in. Get up an extra 15 minutes early so that you can spend some quiet time with the Lord before you walk out to your job, before you have all those distractions that crop up. The third thing is this. There was no specific time I love that Jesus rose up early in the morning. My wife doesn't love that so much. She finds it hard to communicate to anything, including herself, first thing in the morning, right? Okay, I am the opposite. I can roll as soon as I wake. I'm just there. She will stay up until I'm ready to, like, you know, I'm waking up and she's like, okay, it's time to go to bed. Like, we're different. Here's the deal. There's no specific time. So there's no guilt if you spend your time with God at 10 o'clock at night, but spend it with him. Amen? Spend time with him. It doesn't matter if it's early in the morning or late at night, but make sure you spend time. The point is this, start spending time with him even today. What? On a Sunday, but I checked the box. I went to church. Like what else do you want? Today, spend time with him. The fourth is this. There is no quantity that's mandated. So start with five minutes. Have you ever heard those people say, well, you know, in the, in the second hour of my devotional time, <laughs> and you're thinking, well, you're unemployed, you don't have kids, and you definitely don't have a life. Like, how in the world did you accomplish two hours Okay, so there's no quantity, but here's the thing. I think we've copped out because we thought to ourselves, we sure can't spend two hours, so then we don't even spend 10 minutes. Somebody say, ouch. The next thing is this, incorporate worship. 
How many of you think that you are not a good singer? Like you don't have a good singing voice. You'd say, that's, that's me. Okay, so listen, that's why you're in a solitary place. <laughs> so nobody else can hear whatever happens, okay? You can worship even if you don't sound or think that you sound good. Worship, find a way to do that. So let me give you some tips. Put a worship album on. Buy a CD. Do they still do that? <laughs> Download some songs. You can, we have people who use YouTube in a tab at work, and they just click on the YouTube playlist of Christian worship songs, okay? Our worship team, they develop lists, and they even have a Spotify list where you can listen to the songs that we do in our worship times together. You can listen to it at home or in the car, anything like that. So find a way to incorporate worship. Some of you might want different worship than what we currently do on a Sunday morning. You might want something else. There's Southern gospel. There's like, there's a million different things or genres that you could pick from, but find something that moves and stirs your heart to worship him. The sixth thing is this, read God's word. Now, again, I think we cop out. There are, there are absolute crazies on both ends. There are people who are like, well, I'm not going to read anything because I can't read 12 chapters. And that's what I heard somebody said. You got to read the whole Bible in 30 days. You got to get, no. But can I just be challenging you to read more than one verse? Like God deserves more than that, right? So think about that. Don't feel like you're getting a brow beating this morning. Feel like you're getting a surge of encouragement to say, yeah, you know what? I can do this. I can set the mood with some worship. I can put away the distractions. I can find a solitary place. Even if it's in your car after you've dropped the kids off, however it works out in your day, make it happen. But don't just read a single verse and you don't have to read 12 chapters either. YouVersion is a wonderful Bible app. Some of you may be doing this, but I love the idea of the one-year Bible. You can read through the Bible in a single year just spending really 15 minutes a day reading scripture, and it's already laid out for you. You can find reading plans online. Here's another thing. If you're ever interested to dive deeper, like I said a few minutes ago about that word desolate, and you think like, hey, well, what does that really mean or what could that mean? Take this down as a note or think about this, blueletterbible.org. Jesus spoke and many Bibles have red letters, okay? So just put that as a word association, blueletterbible.org. And you, there are study tools at your fingertips. You can type in the word marriage. You can type in the word anger. And you'll have all sorts of resources come up that would help develop your study time. So read the word of God. Take time to speak your thoughts to him. Listen, when we talk about this next one, this is really important. Number seven, we gotta pray. Spend time in prayer. I wanna challenge your thought about this. The Bible calls us sheep, not mules, not donkeys, sheep all the way throughout the scripture. And sheep are not pack animals. They're not animals of burden. Listen to me. They're not animals that you put a ton of weight on and expect them to carry that load. You're a sheep. 
And you've got a shepherd who in Psalm 23, the psalmist says, he leads me beside still waters. It's a peaceful, restful, enjoyable relationship with God. It's not about having all of these burdens. So what am I to do with my burdens? Scripture clearly says, cast them. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Here's the sneaky thing that all of us are guilty of doing. In prayer, we get overwhelmed and we throw that burden. Yeah, I give you that anger. I'm just throwing that burden down. My workplace and my, I'm throwing it down. Okay, thank you, Lord, for this time together. Okay, in Jesus' name, amen. And we just grab that burden and take it with us. And we keep, th- and we've taken it back from the Lord. So lay your burden at his feet. When it comes to the scripture, back a moment ago, read a version of the Bible you can understand. Please. Read a version of the Bible you can understand. There's no harm in that. But when we talk about praying, we need to think about this. Number eight is this, plan for distractions. What? You said I'm supposed to go to a solitary place, right, pastor? Yes, that's what Jesus did. He went to a solitary place, but we live in a very distracted world. Can I get an amen? Yes, that's right. It's distractions all around us. So here's the deal. Make a plan for the distractions, On my phone, which I read the Bible on, I also have my notes app open so that when I think to myself, oh, I need to text Eric later today and tell him blah, 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 I can put that note and I can go back to the Bible. I don't start writing out the text message or the email or setting the calendar appointment. I just get rid of that thought out of my head because I've planned for the distraction and I move on in my quiet time. So make sure you plan for distractions. Take notes. Maybe you don't do it digitally. You could do it physically with uh, you know, what they call paper <laughs> and pens. Sorry. <sighs> Number nine is this. Be or get consistent. Start or deepen your consistency. You, you might be sitting here and saying, you know, pastor, I have a quality, quiet time with the Lord every day. I spend 25, 30 minutes with him. I read, I have a, a worship album. I do this, I do that. This applies as a reminder for all of us that there is a place of depth that we could go deeper in God's word and in his presence, listening to him speak to us. He speaks through his word and he also speaks through his spirit to us. So be open to that and the only way to do it is be consistent, amen? And then number 10 is this. I wanted to call it rinse and repeat, but you repeat this daily. It's the same process that you keep going through. Worship team, would you join me? I want to give you this illustration, this thought that I had, because we talked about restaurants and we talked about the quality of a steak and we, uh, that might have struck your hunger and you might be like, mm, yeah, I'm thinking about lunch. I'm going to get that whatever. Think about this though. God wants time with you in a sit down restaurant environment. Yes, you can drive through for a couple days Yes, you can get away with short spurts, but God wants to spend a quality amount of time with you over a series of minutes where there's a long enough process for you to decompress, for you to just release everything that you have, and for you to just sit there quiet and still. I believe with all of my heart, and I tell you this from the bottom of my heart, I sat on that boat, thought to myself, you know, God, I need to hear from you. 
And the quicker you speak, the, the faster I'll get to lunch and I'll hang out with the guys. And I sat there and I talked and I waited and I listened. It didn't come for quite some time. And I, I sat there for a minute and I even thought to myself, you know, God, why aren't you speaking to me? Like, this is my appointment with you. Like, I'm here for you in this moment. And I heard him quietly say to me, I've really enjoyed this time. And I thought to myself, I wish I had a boat <laughs> and a lake every day and two hours to do this, but I don't. And you don't either. But if you've been spending five minutes intermittently, could you spend 10 minutes regularly? Could you think about it in terms of, maybe I will sit down with a cup of coffee and read an entire chapter before I start the rest of my day. Maybe I'll do what we've been talking about with these bracelets. There are more of them back there today. Maybe I'll pray first before every aspect of my life. Would you stand with me today? I made this message short. I believe the Holy Spirit allowed me to do that in order to be able to allow you, afford you the time to have a quality moment with him. So what we're gonna do in this next moment is the worship team's gonna lead a song, but we want you to be able to step out to one of our prayer stations and receive prayer. If you need prayer for any area of your life, it doesn't matter what it is, we're not a gossiping church. We're not gonna talk about it with other people. We're just going to hold your hand. We're going to put a hand on your shoulder and we're gonna say, I am praying for you and together we're going to see God move. So if you need prayer for whatever it is, healing or in your body or maybe it's emotional, something else, I want you to step out and you can step out right now. Prayer team is already taking their places and you can step there right now and we can have a moment where we spend with God. Maybe you just want to stay right where you are and just engage in his presence and just quiet your mind and not think about the rest of this week and all the details and just give him these moments. So I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you listen to him. Father, I pray over every person in this place that you today would be able to speak directly to them, God. We're taking a moment to honor you and make room for you. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening today. In Jesus' name I pray. Worship team, lead us. Hallelujah.